Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and I am so excited to bring you today's guest because while this place is a little, it's new and it's a little off the beaten path, I think it has the potential to absolutely blow up in a big way. When you have discussions with people about the best barbecue in Omaha, you kind of hear the same places come up again and again, and I love those places. I've featured many of them on the show. But today, I want to introduce you to a food truck that, in my opinion, is serving up as good a barbecue as you will find in Omaha or the surrounding area, because it's technically in Papillion. But regardless, the owner is James Hawk. He owns Jay's Smokehouse. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. So, uh, Jay's is a food truck that does events all over Omaha and Papillion, but on weekends, especially during the winter... Uh, it can be found serving inside the Champion Sport Karate building in Papillion. Now, I think a lot of listeners probably heard that and just did a double take. And, and I'll admit, I kind of did the same thing. The first time I visited, I walked in and I was like, I'm at like a karate dojo right now. I don't totally yep. understand what's going on. But immediately you, you walk in and you just get hit with that barbecue smell. And you're like, no, I, I'm in the right place. There's no question about it. So before we even get into the food or anything like that, can you just quick give us the backstory on how there's a gym associated with a barbecue food truck parked outside? Absolutely. Um, yeah, you can't really tell the story of Jay's Smokehouse without the story of the karate school. So, you know, that's where we're at. Um, I started karate in 1999. I was four years old. Um, just driving down the street, saw a karate school, and um, I said I wanted to do karate, I guess. And so I started. Um the instructor of that karate school, his name's Mike. Uh, my mom actually started talking to him um, quite a bit, started dating a little bit after a little bit of time. So actually at the karate school, you'll see him still um, mopping the floors, cleaning stuff up every day. So he's still around. He helps out with the restaurant quite a bit. Um, so that's where the karate school things started that was actually downtown papillion where the first uh, dojo was um and then they moved to uh, the location where it is now about 10 years later so um so that's where the karate started um you know and growing up watching that watching you know what it takes you know the nitty-gritty the mop and the floors everything it kind of grew me into who i am and it really showed me what it takes to run a small business. 
So it's kind of in my blood, um, so to speak. I was raised there with uh, my little sisters, my twin sisters, which you'll see running around the the restaurant helping out every once in a while. So, um, so it's great that we can, you know, be a family and do this together. It's, it's really awesome. Um, super thankful for it. Um, so I did karate, got my black belt when I was like 10 years old. Um, so really goal oriented. If anybody listening has any kids, uh, it's a really great thing to get your kids into if you want them to be goal oriented. Um, it's a very, very good sport to get them into. Um, so from there, went into high school. I kind of strayed away from karate once I got into high school. And um, once I graduated high school, I started a job at a dealership, um, which I started about a seven year career there, you know, making pretty good money. You know, kind of after COVID hit, I, I, I didn't really like the job I was doing after, you know, a long time. So um, I really went back to my, my beliefs, which was my family. So um, they really helped me out, get me to where I am now. And, uh, yeah, I'm super thankful for that. So... All right, let's get into barbecue. Yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, any food is a labor of love. Like, you cannot be in the restaurant business and be successful unless you love food. But barbecue especially feels like it elicits just that love emotion, especially when it's someone who's doing it like you, where it's going low and slow. It's you got to watch the wood. You You are constantly tending to that fire. You're checking the meat, seeing where it's at. So let's just open it up with a pretty open-ended question, like, where does your love of barbecue come from? What makes it special to you? Well, it's the art of it. Um, I've always looked at barbecue as an art because no matter what barbecue restaurant you go to, there's something different. Um, they do something a little different. You know, you're never going to go to a barbecue or a different, you know, a barbecue restaurant. It's going to be the same as the last one you went to, you know. Um, so that really inspired me to, you know, you kind of have an open palate with what you want to do with barbecue. You know, you can do Asian-style barbecue. You can do um, Texas-style, Kansas City-style, all sorts of stuff. Um, ours, our style is Texas-style. You know, I just like the salt and the pepper. I really think that brings out the taste in the meat. Um, so just trial and error brought me to uh, what I wanted. And, you know, a lot of backyard cooking, a lot of wasted briskets, <laughs> uh, lots of money wasted. Um, I wouldn't say wasted though, because it brought me to where I am now. So anybody out there that's cooking in their backyard or anything like that, keep on keeping on. Cause it could bring, could bring something, something in your future. So now you mentioned that no two barbecue places are the same and everyone has like their own special little thing. Yep. What, what do you think is like one or two of those things at Jay's smokehouse that makes it just a little bit different from any other barbecue spot you've been? Yep. Uh, so First off, I cook outside on an offset smoker, like a Texas-style wood smoker. I use all wood. Um, so that that's the first thing because you really have to know how to make a good fire. That's super important. You know, we don't run off propane or anything like that. So you really got to learn that art first. Um, the second, I would say, like I said before, was the salt and pepper. You know, a lot of places like to put different rubs, you know, even garlic sometimes. Um, but I... I just like the salt and pepper. I really think it brings out the taste of the meat. Um, 
creates a great crust, like a yeah. nice, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bark, bark. on the outside. Yes. I cannot yep. think of the word bark. <laughs> but yeah, and it does. I mean, and you taste that pepper like immediately. But what I love about it is exactly what you said is that, yeah, you get a little bit of seasoning from the salt and pepper. You should season all your food. But it is the flavor of the meat itself that's the star. It's not the sweetness in a rub or the garlic in a rub or, you know, a, a bunch of seasoning salt or something like that. It's the meat that you're getting the most of. Right. And it's a very consistent flavor. You know, it's the most consistent flavor you can get because it's the meat. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't have any problems there. Um, yeah. And that that was the main thing I really, really wanted to do is just bring out the, the flavor of the meat. Even making the sauce, you know, I ask people, do you want sauce? Do you need sauce? I don't put it on there for them um, automatically because a lot of people that eat my barbecue, they don't want the sauce because it just kind of masks that flavor of the the meat. It is a nice compliment, especially my spicy sauce. So, Yeah, I, I, I think that you bring up a great point there because I would count myself hand-raised as someone who does not want my barbecue sauce, like I like barbecue sauce mm-hmm. and I will happily put it on ribs or whatever, but I want to at least be given the option where if I want bites with just the meat, then I can have that. And if I want to have the sauce or that delicious cranberry sauce that you mm-hmm. put together around uh, Christmas time, now that that we can put on just about anything that I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, so I feel like there are just so many little you know, intricacies that every pit master has. Like you can ask, you can ask everyone and you'll get different opinions on certain things. Like if you're doing a brisket, fat cat up, fat cap down. Like mm-hmm. when we're talking low and slow, how low, how slow, what types of seasoning are they using? Do you go by temperature or do you go by feel? Like there's all these different things in barbecue, all these little techniques and just things that make each pit master very individualized and special. Like how long did it take you to kind of find your groove? And so you could start answering those questions for yourself where like, I feel really good about where I am as a, as a pit master. Absolutely. Um, I would say in my backyard, it it was about two years worth of cooking. Um, I mean, I would say every two days a weekend, you know, I would cook a brisket, you know, if I messed that one up, I'd cook one the next day, Uh, pork butt, stuff like that. So I'd say about two years worth of experimenting it goes back as far as I can remember. My grandpa was really into barbecue. Um, he's from Oklahoma. So it's Southern Oklahoma. You can get some really good barbecue, by the way. <laughs> Underrated. I don't think most people know that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oklahoma's got some good barbecue. Okay, Southern Oklahoma. I'm yep. coming for you. Yep. Um, so he knew a lot. He was a really big people person. So he, he really, he knew a lot of owners of different barbecue joints around Oklahoma so he always knew the best ones to take me to. So I kind of had that taste when I was younger. Um, I remember we had vacation down there. He'd have me, they'd go fishing. He'd have me throw on a rack of ribs, you know, season it with some uh, generic barbecue rub and, you know, throw it in the smoker and see what I could do with it. So didn't turn out very good. <laughs> Never did. Um, but it paid off now. Exactly. Yes. You know, I, I kind of, I definitely learned from it, so. Yep. Very thankful for, for my grandpa, for sure. Now, what I find interesting about Jay's is, like you mentioned, you specialize in Texas-style barbecue. And when when most people think Texas-style, that's beef ribs or uh, beef ribs. Yeah, beef, beef ribs, brisket, yeah. beef brisket, ribs, sausage. 
But I would argue that your pulled pork is about your top meat. And that's not saying anything bad about the other meats. Your your pork is just like so flavorful. How, like, I feel like that's generally viewed as more of like a Kansas City or maybe even a North Carolina type of thing. So mm-hmm. how did you decide, yeah, I'm Texas style, but I'm bringing this in too? Yeah, so the pork uh, is actually the very first thing I learned how to smoke. That's the first thing I wanted to get down is pulled pork. My family really liked pulled pork for some reason. So I'm like, man, I really want to do this so I can impress them. So, you know, trial and error, same thing in my backyard. Um, and, you know, I cook my pulled pork the same exact way I cook my brisket. Um, same seasoning, almost the same time, you know, give or take a couple hours given, you know, on certain cu- cuts. But um, that's that's where I started. So I remember the first pork butt I cooked, I bagged it up, brought some over to my mom. And, it, you know, it was probably a week's worth of pork. So she's like, what is this? So, you know, she texted me the next day. She's like, man, how did you make this so juicy? And I'm like, well, you know, I learned learned online. You know, I learned different recipes, took some things from different um, uh, pit masters online and uh, made my own way to do it. Used salt and pepper, and she loved it, so... Is that how you did most of your learning as you developed your techniques and your recipes just by going online, looking different stuff up and then just experimenting and seeing if it works for you? Exactly. Wow. So it's a blessing to have Facebook and all these awesome social media tools because you can see exactly what other people doing are doing and their outcomes of it. And so, yeah, trial and error with that. that that's where a lot of the recipes started. Mm-hmm. I just, I was so shocked the first time I had your pork because like pulled pork is kind of the the extra meat at a lot of barbecue restaurants, I feel like. A lot of places are going to highlight their brisket, they're going to highlight their ribs, maybe their sausage. If they have burn-ins, they're definitely highlighting those. Then it's kind of like, well, we need to have pulled pork on the menu, but it's just kind of there. But yours was like, like you said, it was so juicy, it was so flavorful, I actually... When I left, I ordered another half pound just to take home and like have it later because I was like, I don't know the next time I'm going to get this and I just want to have it. I mean, is there, do you get other comments like that from customers where they're just like, like, how is this pork so good? Oh yeah, we we really do. And I, you know, it's hard to come up with an answer for it because I just cook it every day. You know, it's hard. I don't know why it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I just cook it right every time, I guess, but I just cook it right every time. I think that's the new slogan for Jay's smokehouse. Just put that on a t-shirt right now. Exactly. Hey there listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. Did you know that just 1% of all cattle raised in the U S is Piedmontese? Or that this red meat is so healthy that it's similar in micronutrients to Atlantic salmon and chicken breast? Rare, healthy, and most importantly, delicious. That's a trio that just can't be beat. I'm so confident that you'll get hooked on certified Piedmontese beef like I did that I want to help you try it. When you visit Piedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, you'll receive 25% off your order. That's 25% off steaks, burgers, brats, sausages, and even bacon. Yeah, I said it. Beef bacon. It'll change your life. Use my promo code to score a great deal and experience why certified Piedmontese is such a big deal today. And now, back to my guest. 
Um, So most of the everyday menu consists of pulled pork and brisket, which can be ordered by the weight or in a sandwich or on top of mac and cheese, on top of nachos, stuff like that, and then ribs as well. You do run uh, specials throughout throughout the year, but you mostly stick to those three main meats instead of adding a sausage or a chicken or a turkey Mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. How did you come to the decision that, yeah, we're going to offer some specials? And I know I'm, from your social media, I know you can cook a lot of other stuff. Oh, yeah. But those three meats, those are going to be kind of the star of the show. Those are going to be our, our North Star. Correct. Um, and honestly, it's uh, the size of kitchen that we started with um, is the main reason why we're, why we're sticking with the three meats right now. We are looking at expanding over the next year or two into the karate school building a bigger kitchen getting some fryers in there so we can get some some poutine fries Ooh, there we go poutine. oh yeah so we're looking at doing some stuff like that um fridge space is key with poultry and meat you know i i don't like to store poultry anywhere near beef even in the same fridge um even though they say you can i i just don't i don't like it you know it's dirty so that's the main reason we don't do poultry right now um i love love smoked turkey i love smoked chicken quarters i mean that's my jam so that's also really good so hopefully we'll get some of that coming in the next year or two as well we can really expand our menu with what we're going to be doing Mm -hmm. uh now just bringing up some of those specials just going back through your social media over the years you've done smoked steak just like last week or two weeks ago you had the smoked the smoked pork banh mis which absolutely looked amazing and I know you love your tri-tip. There's a lot of photos <laughs> and a lot of posts about tri-tip on there. Oh, yeah. How do you decide what you're going to do as a special? Like, what inspires you to to try something new? Honestly, a lot of it is uh, social media online. You know, I see something, someone posts something. I'm like, wow, that looks good. Maybe I can try that. Um, so, you know, I follow a lot of people on social media. I don't know if you've heard of like Guga foods or like the sous vide everything Mm -hmm. pages. So, you know, they, they do different methods of, of smoking steak, you know, cooking steak, different, different ways. So when I see something, you know, they do a tri-tip, I'm like, man, tri-tip sounds good. I, maybe I'll cook one for dinner tonight, do something special with it. And then I'll put it on the menu that next week. You know, if, if the family likes it, the family has to like it. So the family's the guinea pigs. Exactly. Exactly. So Yep, I always I always got to get a thumbs up from from my from my little boys are, and are my they, daughter. Are who's the hardest to please? My youngest, my four year old. So yep. w- once the four year old approves, then it's like okay, now it's ready for the menu. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, in your mind, what makes a perfect rib? Perfect rib to me, I don't like a fall off the bone. I don't like, you know, you pick it up and everything, everything falls off. I don't like that. Um, I think you should be able to bite it off the bone. It should be able to just pull off with your, with each bite. You should be able to bite it and not the whole rib fall off either. So yeah, I'm pretty adamant about that. (laughs) I don't, I don't like when, when ribs fall off the bone, you're just making pulled pork on a bone at that point. I, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong here, but I feel like that means it's overcooked, right? Yep, yes. exactly. Okay. Yeah, definitely overcooked. You know, if, if you have to bite it excessively to get it off the bone, it's a little undercooked, but you won't get sick undercooked. It's just, it's still like 200 degrees right. internal, but yeah, it's just a little undercooked. 
Now, you mentioned you guys are smoking 100% wood. Yep. No charcoal, no pellets, no nope. propane, nothing like that. A lot of, you know, home smokers and barbecuers that, you know, use pellets or, or other things like that. What is it about the wood that you think is just so special? When it burns down to the ashes, and you can tell when you're having a campfire or something, you get a different smell from when the wood is actually turned into the, to the coals. Um, you can't, you don't get that smell with charcoal, um, or pellets really. So I, I can tell by the way it smells, uh, when I have a good, when I have a good fire. Um, and it really comes out in the meat. Um, it, it really does come out in the meat a lot. Um, now if you're an everyday Joe, just walking around, it's going to be, you give them a slice of brisket cooked on a pellet smoker. Or you give them a slice of brisket cooked on an offset wood smoker. They might not be able to tell the difference, but the, the people that, that eat barbecue, you know, for a living and do it for a living, they'll be able to tell the difference. Um, so that that's the crowd I'm trying to please is the people that are, you know, real barbecue enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you mentioned that it like it's a skill to learn how to tend a fire. That's not an easy thing to do. How, how did you learn? Um camping growing up my parents took me camping a lot so I was the pyro I was the the fire starter so I played with fires basically my whole life I loved it um which is and that's another thing that's crazy how everything comes to a T, you know so I know where I'm at is is good where I need to be um it's an awesome feeling to have it is so cool to just see these and you can do this in really anyone's life but to see these random intersections in your life that don't look like they're going to come together at all, and yet they do. Whether it's you going camping with your parents or you going fishing with your grandpa, like those two things seem separate, and yet they taught you separate skills that come together and now make you better at your job today, which is a barbecue restaurant owner. Yep. It's just kind of wild to think how those threads come together. It absolutely is. And, you know, if anyone listening, if you need motivation to – make change in your life for the better, you know, take this, you know, as motivation, you know, there, everything in your life is, is happening for a reason. You know, if, if something bad's happening and, you know, look at why, why it's happening and make something good out of it. Um, you know, for me, when I was working at the dealership, you know, I, I didn't want to get up every day. I didn't want to go to work anymore. You know, I was sick of doing that and having something I could fall back on, uh, the way I did was, um, extravagant for me you know it was awesome so don't be afraid to make that step you know to take that step into something that you love because everything that you've learned throughout life it'll it'll have your back you know some way or another I love that and I want to get more into the your life's beginnings and see some more of those little strings but there's one more special that I have to ask you about because most of them that I saw you know you in, in barbecue, you see a lot of the same things, even though there are variations of it. Obviously, everything's cooked differently. Things look differently. But you see a lot of the same stuff again. I have never seen smoked pulled pork white bean chili with honey bun cake. Mm. That sounded so good. The picture of it looked so amazing. Just tell me the story. How did that come together? It sounds just incredible. 
Well, we live in Nebraska, so cinnamon rolls and chili is a big thing, right? That that it is. So that's kind of that was kind of our twist on that. I wanted to do something with the white white bean chili um, with our pulled pork, and my mom makes the chili, and it is absolutely phenomenal. I've been I, I've eaten the chili my whole life. She's made it my whole life, but now we get to put my smoked pork in it, and it just it just elevated it so much. But um, she's always had really good chili. I, I can't. Can't say it made it that much better. So, <laughs> so, and then, you know, I needed some, you know, I can't just use a cinnamon roll. I wanted to do something else. So that honey bun cake, you know, she, she gave me a piece of that and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the one. <laughs> so mom deserves a lot of credit. For oh, that for that one. Yep. She's, she's got that one for sure. Gotcha. So we've kind of talked about your early beginnings and maybe even learning some of your skills that would eventually influence your career before you even knew what was going on. But what, like, what really got you invested in barbecue? Like what inspired you to go from, I'm just cooking it every once in a while, or Mm -hmm. maybe cooking it once for my family or whatever, to, I'm going to start to like, to go online and start Mm -hmm. researching recipes and following these people. When did you really get that into it? Well, it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. Um, you know, at the time COVID was going on, so we were a lot slower at my work. So I had a lot more time to research some stuff on my computer. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I was also spending a lot of money each weekend on, you know, cooking. You know, I get obsessed with things when I when I really fall in love with it. You go all in. I go all in, you know. So I looked at that, you know, how much money am I spending on this right now? is it at a point where I think I can, I can make this jump? Um, so all that was kind of going through my head. Um, and I had a falling out at a, with, a, uh, in a meeting with my manager and I just called it that day and called my mom up and said, we got to start this barbecue thing. Whoa. You, you serious? Yep. Like it, it all just came to a head one day and you just, I mean, so what, what's your feeling walking out of the office? Like, are you just, were you excited or were you kind of like, it was the scariest moment of my life. Yeah. Um, and that's why I tell people, you know, if you're afraid to make a jump, but you know, it's something that you want to do for the rest of your life, you know, you, you have to make that jump because every day you don't, it's just another day you get older, you know, and then you might not be able to do it in five years. You might not be able to do that. So the sooner you can chase your dreams, the better. I know that's easier said than done. I mean, a lot of people are in positions where they can't do that. Um, but yeah, it was the scariest moment of my life walking out of that office. Cause you know what you're going through your head. My, you know, I got a family to support, you know, I got bills to pay, you know, not, none of that just goes away. So, so you call your mom yep. you tell her, we got to start the, the barbecue business. What's her response? Well, we had already been looking at getting a food truck. It had never kind of gone in, into fruition or anything like that. We had been researching different ones to buy. So she was all in at that point. She, she was ready to go. So she was trying to get me to do this for a, a, a while because she liked my barbecue so much. So yeah, her her belief in me really helped. So what's the first step you take when you decide to do it full time? So that I needed a smoker, a big smoker. So that was that was the first thing. Um, so Facebook Marketplace, look up a smoker. 
Man, Facebook getting some real shout outs oh, on this yeah. podcast. Yeah, Facebook is Facebook's <laughs> it's key. powerful if you use it right. It you can, really you can use it wrong in a lot of ways too. It really is. And you know, that was the thing for me. You know, I knew my food was good, but how can I get people to come in and eat? You know, how can I get the crowds? You know, that that was the thing for me, and Facebook really helps with that. Um so first step was a smoker. Um, so I found one on Facebook marketplace, dirt cheap. I kind of thought it was a scam. Um, but I ended up messaging this guy and he seemed like a real person. So (laughs) I made, I made a trip and this is insane because it's where the smoker was located is five miles away from, uh, uh, the campsite that my grandpa used to live. No, my, my grandpa and grandma. What? Yeah. So that, it, and as soon as I found that out, I'm like, oh, this is. I'm going down there no matter what, whether it's a scam or not. You know, I'm going for it because that would be awesome. So go down there. Um, I drive that day, basically, that I had gotten fired. Um, it was like three hours later. I'm like, I need to get this because it's a good deal. If it is real, someone else is going to get it. So I drive eight hours to Oklahoma, get the smoker, drive it all the way back overnight, you know, eight hours. And it was uh, very amazing that it was that close to where, you know, my grandpa had lived and we had visited, you know, throughout my entire life. So that was the number one sign. You know, if you believe in God, you know, that's... Mm -hmm. You know, that was the number one sign. If you don't, whatever, but (laughs) God put that smoker in your life. I believe it. Yep. Yep. So at that point, did you feel comfortable with where your barbecuing game was at to start selling it professionally? Or were you like, okay, I need, I need to tighten this up, this up, this up. Where were you at? I was a hundred percent comfortable where I was at. Yes, for my brisket and pork. Um, ribs, honestly, when I first started, I was a little uncomfortable with because I hadn't delved into the the world of ribs yet. I could make good ribs, but they weren't perfected like my, my pulled pork and my brisket. So, yeah, I, I do remember the first time we put ribs on the menu. I was a nervous mess. I think it was two weeks in. Um, and we started out in a tent uh, in the karate school. And, I, yeah, I think we were two weeks in put ribs on the menu. I was nervous, but it, it came, they came out wonderful and I have perfected them ever since. So before you got the truck, you just had the smoker outside the karate school and you were just selling inside there? Um, inside the karate school, if it had gotten, uh, cold, but mostly it was a tent, uh, just right right outside the karate school. People would just pick up, you know, eat, stand up and eat. You know, we had some, uh, very small table you could sit at if you wanted outside, but yep, that's how we started. That's how we had to start um, because of the way it happened. Going back on your social media accounts, I, I apologize if I had the wrong date, but I th- believe the first day that you sold to the public was October 15th of 2021, and you only sold bit brisket and pulled pork by the pound and in sandwiches. There is nothing else. What do you remember most about that day? Like when you think about that day, what pops to the front of your mind? That's the day I realized uh, that people like their brisket chopped on a sandwich, not sliced. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) A majority of people. There's some people that do like it sliced on the sandwich, but um, you just have to ask for it when you order it. We'll slice it however you want. (laughs) Um, 
So that that's kind of what comes to mind first when I think about it is there's a lot of things that have changed since then, since that first day, and it's really amazing to look back on. Uh, we use different buns now because uh, we had someone say that the buns might be a little too thick for the meat or maybe we're not putting enough meat on. So lots of different feedback. And luckily, it was a lot of friends that came in and ate. So, you know, it was feedback that didn't hurt us in the long run. So, How important is that as a business owner and especially as a restaurant owner to be receptive? I mean, I, I feel like there's a fine line because you want to listen to customer feedback and mm-hmm. say, hey, if, the, if people aren't digging this bun, then, yeah, we can change it up. But there also might be a part of you, that, like if somebody complains and says, I think this rub is too peppery, you're not going to be like, well, okay, I'm just changing my rub recipe for you then. Like, h- how do you balance that between taking customer feedback and making positive changes versus knowing what's really important to your food and kind of standing firm on those things? So I'm pretty fluid when it comes to um, everything besides the meat. Um, I've realized, you know, my meat process is down. I'm never going to change that. Uh, that's never changing. I don't, you know, if you don't like pepper, you know, that's fine. There's other places for you if you don't like it. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, as, as polite as possible. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as what we do with our meat, you know, what we put it on, I'm very flexible with that. I think every restaurant should be flexible. Um, in that aspect, especially after, you know, COVID and what's been going on with the restaurant um, industry is you have to be willing to change uh, with, you know, with your customers, you know, bring up a new sandwich, you know, once a week, do something different. You know, a lot of people that I've learned, you know, I've learned that they're not going to come in and get barbecue every week. They're not going to come in and get a brisket sandwich, you know, every every single week you know maybe every two weeks maybe once a month but you know barbecues you have people that do come in every day and they get a pork sandwich which is which is amazing I couldn't personally I can't I can't eat barbecue (laughs) I could not do that either yeah (laughs) so you got to change it up you really got to you got to stay fluid with it um you know that's kind of the word I like to use with with uh in respects to that because like I said, you have to, you know, it, and a lot of things is what you see trending on the internet. You know, if you see, um, you know, like bon mi's trending on social media, it's like, Ooh, maybe I should try a bon mi sandwich with my smoked meats. That'd be awesome. You know, that's kind of where inspiration comes from for me. Mm-hmm. So you, you, I mean, you are heavy into social media. Like you owe, I don't know if I should say you owe a lot of your success <coughs> to social media. That's probably going a little bit too strong, but, but it, it influences it influences your recipes. It mm-hmm. influences getting you interested in barbecue. It influences the specials that you put on. Mm-hmm. H- have you always been interested in social media, or is that something that you kind of adjusted to once you opened the business and you were like, man, this is a powerful tool? That's something I've always been interested in is social media. I think it it really broadens your ability if you use it right. You know, it really broadens your ability as a business owner, as somebody that wants to start something on their own, even people that you know, enjoy hobbies and stuff like that. It's just super important because you just, it, it's an open library, you know, you learn so much. And you are very active with your posting. I mean, you are posting, if not every day you're open, just about every day. And you're like a lot of restaurants just 
they and I know it's it's hard to find time to take good pictures and edit them and like or take videos and stuff like I get that but a lot of restaurants post the same pictures over and over like if you go back mm-hmm. through their Instagram page it's a lot of duplicated content I don't really see that as much on yours you're constantly taking new pictures and especially over the last couple months it's been videos whether that's TikTok or our quick little shots on Instagram you're like you're cutting brisket and just showing how juicy it is or you're like you know, like we were talking about, not pulling the meat off the rib, it's not falling off. And it's just, it's really engaging content that just draws you in. That's what got me to come in, honestly, for the first time. Did you, like, were you a social media natural or did you have to teach yourself this stuff? Like, how did you level up your social media game? I taught myself over time, just like kind of everything else I've done throughout life. Um, I've always been into art. Um, In high school, I was in a lot of art classes, graphic design. Um, I really like painting and stuff like that. So my artistic side has always always been there. Um, The graphic design has always been intriguing to me because there's so much you can do online with graphic design, videos, stuff like that. Um, So that's a world that I've always wanted to get into Um, since high school. I just had never really had time, so... Now that I'm doing this, I can I can do that. And I've really learned a lot over the past few months as far as, you know, how to make a reel, how to, you know, do slow motion, you know, all sorts of cool stuff, add, you know, cool music to it. Um, I really think that's going to be important in the future for restaurants is showing uh, people what you have on social media because um, not everybody is going to be able to drive, you know, 20 to 30 minutes across town to have your food just because they heard about it from a friend, you know, some people, you got to show them a video and it's like, Ooh, I'm going to drive 30 minutes to get that, you know? And that, that's kind of what our goal is. That's yeah. That's something that I've realized very quickly is that I can write a thousand great words about a restaurant. If I post two photos on Twitter that it has like exponentially more impact. (laughs) If I just take my time, like take really good pictures, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and I think social media is especially beneficial for a business like yours because whether it's in the food truck or when you're selling um, at the karate school, like th- those are not, they're, they're not established locations. Like no one's just going to drive, like just drive by the karate school and be like, oh, there's, there's barbecue there. Or, you know, you usually don't just happen to, some people just happen upon a food truck, but a lot of people will see, hey, a food truck's popping up here. I want to go get lunch there or whatever. How did you kind of teach yourself the promotional aspect mm-hmm. of social media that uh, just, and you even yep. mentioned earlier, creating that awareness that, hey, we're here and we're doing something cool. Yep. Well, we kind of had to um, eventually. You know, at first I wasn't posting, you know, where we were going to be, you know, each day, every day, you know. And it'll, and you see it online too. You post a post, you post something on Omaha Food Lovers like, I love this restaurant. And the first question you get is, where is it located? Yep. Where is it located? Where is it located? You know, where do I go? So I've learned from just getting so many questions and messages. Hey, where are you at today? What time are you open? You know, this and that. It's just easier. Post it, you know, tell everybody, look on my Facebook page. It shows you exactly where I'm at every day, time, place, address, whatever you need. It's there. So that, that's kind of where social media really caught fire with the business is because of the food truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of the food truck, how did you find it? 
find the the truck itself like you graduated from oh, yeah. just having the stand out front to actually having the trailer we had it built custom um, yeah wow yeah so we had it built brand new um, we started out with so we had that designed i think it was i got the smoker it was the next day we drove to lincoln to talk to uh, marcus trailers shout out to marcus trailers um, in lincoln they uh, run the tasty food trailers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they sold the rights to the one here in Omaha, so they, they're not affiliated with them anymore. But that's where we got our trailer. Um, it was about a six-month build-out time. So we're like, man, what are we going to do for the time being? So, you know, we started the tent, and we found a, a competition barbecue food trailer on Facebook Marketplace that popped up. You know, a couple of weeks after running the tent, we we're like, hey, you think we should get this to kind of, you know, learn how to run the food truck once we get the new one? And I'm like, yeah, why not? So, <laughs> so we drove to, uh, it's like way northern Iowa. It was about another eight hour drive. Uh, picked up the competition barbecue trailer, drove it back. Um, and that's where the food truck actually started. What? Do you remember about your first food truck event? Because food truck life is very different than restaurant life. It was not fun. Um, <laughs> it was not as it was not as much fun as I thought. Um, no, it was it was a challenge. I'll say that, but I take challenges head on. Um, that's just who I am. I you know my uh, wife Kaylee. Uh, she's a wonderful person. She takes care of all the kids while I go on my little adventures. <laughs> So shout out to her. She worked the first few events with us and yeah, it it was just, it was very busy. It was cold. Um, We did a thing where we did text in orders where we had people text in their orders to us while they're at the bar and it was cold out. So, I mean, we were getting, you know, 30 texts at a time trying to keep up with that. We did it. You know, we probably made a few people upset. Might've forgot a couple orders. Um, and, you know, so that wasn't fun for me. You know, that, that hits me, you know, when, when you can't please your customers, that wasn't a good time. So I really had to search, you know, deep down, figure out what we needed to do, get a couple more food warmers in the, in the food truck, um, and really just get a process down. And that helps tremendously in the food truck. If you can get a food truck process down, you know, you can do it anywhere. You can do it at a restaurant. And that really primed us to what we turned into. I think there's there's just this kind of misconception about food truck life. Like it's just it's kind of presented to the dining public as like this glamorous thing where it's just like truck is pulling up to a location, pop the hood and hey, everybody come get food. Mm-hmm. And it's just like everybody's having fun on the truck. And there's even a movie and I enjoy this movie. It's called Chef with John Favreau where this chef just quits his job and opens a food truck and like basically makes it in one day and is immediately a success. And the more food truck owners I talk to, the more I realize that that is just like so far away from the truth. Like, can you just give us, maybe it's just like one or two nuggets, but just like a little dose of reality to what food truck life is really like. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have events where you open the window and you have, you know, 50 people in line waiting to eat and you want to be as fast as you can because there's other food trucks around you and you, 
you know, you really want to take care of your customers. You want to get them the, the quickest, their food the, as fast as possible. So it's a very small space too <laughs> in food trucks. So, you know, when you're carrying a brisket around, trying to put it on a cutting board while someone else is, you know, trying to maneuver around the cash register while it's open to get change out and you bump into each other and you drop a brisket on the floor, you know, stuff, stuff like that happens. And it's a very small space. So you have to have your process down and it has to have flow or else everybody runs into people and it's just not a good time. How long did it take for you to kind of establish that flow to where you felt like, yep, we got this mm-hmm. thing down? I would say within a month. I'd okay. say after the first month of events, um, we we really learned our flow and got it down to where we can run the food truck with two people and serve 200 people in an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fat, you know, and by the time you pay and you run your card, you know, it almost takes longer for you to run your card than for us to have your food ready in the food truck. You know, that's, that's our mind. That's our mindset. So the the process really has to be strong and it has to hold up through everything. Now you guys have done all kinds of different food truck events. I mean, you've done massive events. You've just pulled up in a, uh, a parking lot or in a neighborhood. You've Mm -hmm. been at the zoo, you've been at, uh, trucks and taps. You've done that a couple of times. I've never asked anyone this before on the podcast and I don't know why, but how does a food truck go about finding locations? Like how do you decide where to post up? Well, for me at the beginning, it was, you know, where's the most traffic, you know, what, and for me was you used to park at the Lowe's, um, in Papillion, Mm -hmm. uh, right next to the Walmart off 72nd street. And there's a Chick-fil-A there that their line is usually, you know, down the road. And I'm like, man, that would be a good spot to put a food truck. So, that was the first place we parked was that Lowe's parking lot. Um, there was a fairway grocery store right on 72nd and Giles right on the other side. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'd noticed a food truck there before. So I called them up and said, Hey, you know, I've seen a food truck there before, you know, can you tell us more, you know, can we, can we park there? So it's just about asking. Um, and that was kind of scary at first asking these companies like, Hey, can we park our truck? It's like, no, they, they want you there. A lot of those companies do want you there. Um, now it's your job to find what, what works. Um, there's been times where I parked in the parking lot and I came out with $50 and I didn't sell anything. So there's always that trial and error and you just have to push through it and find what's, what's best. And that's where social media came into play is, you know, Hey, I'm going to be at this parking lot. I don't want to just make $50 come out and see me. You know, we got good food. Here's a video of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the events where the food just kind of sells itself because people are already there is junk stock. And yes. You were, you were at junk stock last year. Yes. You sold 350 pounds of brisket, yep. 425 pounds of pork and 500 pounds of mac and cheese in just two days. Like when I read those on social media, I could not even believe it. What were those two days like for you? It was, it was a great time. Uh, the, the days leading up to it were a little stressful, you know, um, you know, cooking all that meat at once, or, you know, yeah, I couldn't even cook it all at once. I had to separate it into two different cooks. Um, so I was up, you know, for a couple of days in advance cooking all that stuff. 
um, pre- preparing for that. So that was, that's the main thing with barbecue. You have to, you know, selling it's the easy part. It's, you know, preparing is the hard part. So, um, once I got through those couple days, I was just relieved, man. I, I had no food left on the truck. Um, just, it, it's the best feeling when you show up with the, you know, a loaded truck, you know, with 800 pounds of meat in it. And, you know, in two days it's empty. Um, it's the best feeling in the world. How do you prepare to mm-hmm. know that you have 800 pounds? Cause I'm sure, you know, you've worked a lot of smaller events, so you have a, an idea yeah. of how much you might sell, but mm-hmm. like, I just can't even process in my mind the thought of what's the difference between 400 and 500 pounds of brisket. Like, how do I know that people are going to go for is 500 too few? Is it way too much? Like Mm -hmm. how do you going into an event? How do you try and prep and prepare yourself for that? It's very hard at first. Um, there's a lot of events that we undercooked for. There's a lot of events that we overcooked for. Um, it's all, it, it comes down to an equation and you'll figure it out. You know, if you're a food truck, you know, going, you're, you'll figure it out eventually. It comes down to an equation. You know, how much food does each person eat at the events? You know, how many people are expected there at the event? How many food trucks are there? What percentage of people are going to eat? And that, that's a, you can Google that. It's a, it's on, it's on Google. <laughs> so, Google has the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of put together an equation. So then in the future, you know, you know, you have 10,000 people going to this event. Well, you just plug and play, you know, plug and play the numbers. And it's worked out since once I found that equation on, you know, what I, how many people eat, what, how many people are going to be at events. It, it really just comes into fruition. And the first junk stock, we did sell out the first day and I had to, you know, stay up overnight and cook. Um, so that was, that was a joy. <laughs> but, but I learned cause the next, you know, the next weekend I just, I cooked double and, um, now I know next year how much exactly I need to cook. What is the feeling like? Cause you posted a picture of this, uh, at junks, I believe it was at junk stock, but when you are looking out of the trailer and there's just a line, like just a mass of like, I don't even 60, 70, a hundred people. Mm-hmm. I assume that there's a part of you that's like super excited because you're like, these people love my food. Every yeah. one of these people, like you're not looking at them as dollar signs, but they yeah. are going to be giving you money. Yeah. But there's also gotta be a feeling like, Oh my gosh, yeah. I need to serve all these people in as short amount of time as possible. Like what, what's the balance of those emotions? It's really hard to balance it. You have to be pretty level headed cause it's, it's very stressful. It, it really is. You got anxiety going on. You got, you know, happiness because you're serving all that food my main thing is I'm happy at the end of the day, I'm happy because people get to try my food. And that, that was the main goal of the food truck is I want people to try this, you know, know where I'm at. And, um, yeah, it's an amazing feeling looking out, uh, you know, maybe for, it might be different for my employees <laughs> or the people helping me, but, um, it is, you know, and you got to level down with them because it is stressful. It is a lot of people. And what I tell them is, how long do you wait at a restaurant, you know, for your food average, you know, 10, 15 minutes at least yeah, yeah. sit down place. So I always tell them, think about that, you know, get it out as fast as you can still, but just have that in the back of your mind because the second that you start panicking, you're going to start messing up. Stuff doesn't get done right. And it just makes everything slower. So 
you got to have a really calm sense of mind saying, okay, we're fine. You know, it might be an hour wait for the back, you know, that person in the back of the line, but once they pay and get their, you know, once they pay, they'll have their food immediately. They don't have to wait any longer. So yeah, just peace of mind. (laughs) I think that that's really good advice. Yeah. Um, you mentioned this a little bit off the top and I don't know how much you can really divulge or how much you even know right now, but like what, what's the future for Jay's Smokecast? When you talk about, you know, having a little bit more of a build out in Mm -hmm. the, in the gym, do you have an idea of what that looks like? Absolutely. Yeah. We have a plan ready to go. We're going to take one of the entire gyms of the karate school and convert that into a sitting area for the restaurant. Wow. That's awesome. Yep. So we'll have, Hopefully, you know, kind of pool style, uh, like pool table, maybe in the back corner kind of style. Um, But we really want to bring our, you know, a barbecue restaurant like that to Papillion. I think, you know, this is where I grew up. Yeah, I I think it's important to to expand where we're at now because everybody kind of kind of knows where we're at now. Um, It used to be, you know, I'd get calls, you know, where are you? We can't find you. We're in front of this karate school. Now people know to just walk in the front door and your, your nose will guide you from uh-huh. there. Um, so yeah, we're, we're super excited. I'm excited that I can do more with my meat. You know, I'm, that's the main thing I'm excited about really expanding the menu. And, and that's another thing is the menu balance between the food truck and the restaurant is just night and day. You know, people that order stuff out of a food truck, they don't expect really a restaurant, you know, menu. So you really have to dumb down your menu to really simple things. That's where the, you know, pork on mac and cheese, brisket mac, um, stuff like that comes into play. So tell, tell me more about that. When you say night and day, like what are the biggest changes? Well, you want to put something on your food truck menu that people don't have a lot of questions about, you know, it's a simple, you know, pork on mac, you know, everybody kind of knows what that is. You'll get you know, some people that ask questions about it, which is fine, but in a food truck, you really want to move, you know, as bad as that expedite sounds, expedite the process, expedite yeah. the process yeah. because, you know, you don't want that person in the back of the line waiting for an hour. That's not fun. So we, we understand that we want to get people out as quick as we can. We also love to conversate with people. <laughs> so, um, that's another problem I have when I'm taking orders is, I'll catch myself in a conversation and the next person's like staring at me like, Hey dude, come on, hurry up. <laughs> you know, I need my, I need my brisket here. <laughs> right. So, um, no, it, it, it's, it's a balance. Um, but yeah, when you go up to a food truck, I, I think you kind of have to change your menu kind of, you have to simplify it. Um, or else people are going to be looking at it for too long, you know, questioning what they want. You really just got to put you know, four main things and some sides. That's kind of my, my goal for the food truck menu. When you talk about expanding the menu potentially in the restaurant, I know this is something that you can't do every day because of food costs and probably just availability, but there is a post you had a long time ago of beef ribs that I like wanted to, I like tried to reach through the screen and grab it. Cause I was like, I need that. That <laughs> looked so good. So if if that ever comes back on special, I'm yep. not trying to put your feet to the fire and be like, oh, put that on the menu. But if that comes back on special, that is going to be a very, very special day. I've um, been looking. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I've been looking for, for beef ribs. They're, they're hard to find, and I don't want to charge people, you know, 
$25 for just one bone, you know, that just, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to find something that's affordable for people. And that, it's hard with beef ribs. It is. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough with brisket, you know, but yeah, yeah beef ribs is a hard one. Uh, this has been just an awesome conversation, James. I've enjoyed it so much, but before I let you out of here, I got two more questions that I like to ask just about everybody I have on the show. Mm-hmm. And the first one, you, you've done a good job pulling back the curtain so far, but maybe just do it a little bit more. What's something about the restaurant industry, food truck life, wherever you want to take it that you think that diners don't understand, but you wish they did. I, it goes back to, you know, kind of staying fluent with your menu, you know, do specials, do something once a week that, that not only brings people in, um, to eat your food and, you know, helps your business grow, but it also shows restaurants around you that are on social media. They're like, Oh, they're doing that. Maybe I can, you know, do this. So it, it really inspires people when restaurants do cool things like that. I I really, it inspires me, um, a lot. And I think, yeah, we need more of that. I think in the Omaha restaurant scene, um, we have a lot of it. Block 16, you know, does great. You got, uh, porky butts that has a lot of, they do their specials every week, which is great. Um, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's, I think it's exactly what you said. And I actually had another uh, guy who owns a barbecue business on a month or two ago and, and they run a weekly special and he's, and he said the same thing. It's like, you're not going to probably get somebody coming in more than once or twice a month, even your biggest fans mm-hmm. just to get barbecue. Barbecue's a heavy meal. It's kind of a, not a cheap meal necessarily, but you know, it's, it's just not something you're going to eat every day probably. So yeah, being able to come up with innovative things, just ways to repurpose the meat or or present it in a mm-hmm. different way can get people in the door so much more. And I think what you just said was really cool is, yeah, then you inspire other people to do cool stuff with their food too. So exactly. I hope that we continue to see that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last question I got for you, what's your favorite thing about being a part of the restaurant industry now? My favorite thing is I'm able to bring stuff to the table that I get to see people enjoy. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's really, you know, I, I get to see my, my, that, you know, what once was a dream come into fruition, you know, and my favorite thing is, is seeing that first bite when somebody takes that first bite of their rib, you know, and something they're like, Ooh, like, you know, that that's for me is, is, uh, really rewarding. What's the best reaction that you remember? Like, I'm sure there's got to be one or two that <laughs> pops to the front of your head. Oh, man, we get good reactions every day. Um, my favorite is when someone says they're from Texas and they don't think that my brisket's going to be good because it, it's hard to find good brisket. It is. It is. And I learned that a while ago. And that's my favorite thing when someone's from Texas and they they come to our restaurant and say, we're from Texas, you know, your brisket better be good. Um, that for me is amazing. And a lot of, they sometimes won't even buy the brisket. They'll just buy like ribs or some pork cause they don't think it'll be good. Those are the people that I'm like, here, you want to, you want to try it? So I'll, I'll give free samples, you know, if, if you don't think my brisket's good. <laughs> so that's my favorite thing is 
showing someone from Texas that we can do it here too. Well, I'm not from Texas. I'm not a bar- Texas barbecue aficionado like those people might be, but I'm a full convert. Like all it took was one bite really. And I was just like, where has, why, like, why is this place not been on my radar? So listeners, I mean, you've heard this guy, like he has passion. We've been talking about barbecue for an hour here and you can hear it in his voice. He cares about this. He's put so much into this. And if you go and try his food, you're going to see why Jay's smokehouse is just, I, I think it's a rocket ship. I think it's blowing up. So whether you go to an event and you see the food truck or you decide to go to a karate gym to get barbecue, you are not crazy. You are going to get just great food there. And I highly encourage anyone to do that. Uh, James, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been just an absolute pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everything you do. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to. Um, all I do, what do I do? I just eat and then I get on some microphones like a goober. I don't do anything. You're the one who does all the hard work making good food. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.